Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. This morning is going to be fun. Who's ready? Why don't we close our eyes? Let's just ask the Holy Spirit just to come and do what He wants to do. Father God, I just thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. I thank you, Lord, that you silence fear. I thank you that you're the Prince of Peace. I thank you that you are here and you love us. And this morning, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would move in power today, that lives would be changed, the hearts would be open. In Jesus' powerful name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, we're doing a series at the moment around our church code. And our church code is basically a a bunch of statements that define our values as a church. Please understand it's not our statement of belief necessarily, because our statement of belief is much more complex. Um, It's more who we want to be as a church community. So today we're actually talking about the code of we are leaders who raise leaders. So why don't we look to our screen um, for our code this week. We're going to read this together. Uh, Maybe on the count of three, one, two, three, we are leaders who raise leaders. We believe everyone is called to lead and succeed in life. We don't only lead people, we raise up leaders, leaders in all areas and spheres of life. Powerful statement. The thing is about leadership is this, do you know that you are a leader? There's all different types of leaders. There's leaders in church, there's leaders in politics, there's leaders in community. But if you're a parent here, who knows that you are a leader of your children? The Bible says that if you're a husband, you lead your family. If you're a Christian here, the Bible talks about leading people to Christ. So I just want to start by setting that foundation that I'm speaking to everybody this morning. We have to shy away from the thought of, well, leadership is just a certain little idea in our head. It's the pastor of a church alone or it's the premier of our state alone. Yes, they are leaders, but you're a leader. And the enemy will always come along and try and undermine leadership. Because if you don't know that you have a voice, if you don't know where you're going, you can't take somebody else with you. And if you're a Christian here today, Who knows that you're called to lead somebody else towards Jesus? Can I hear an amen? Amen. That's the reality and the grace that we carry. So this morning, I want to set that precedent that we actually have to have a mentality of leadership. What is leadership? Leadership, and it's up on the screen, leadership is simply influence. Leadership is influence. Why don't you say to your neighbor, leadership is influence? That's what it is. Hence why a mum is a leader of her kids. Hence why a dad is a leader of his family. They influence their family. Charlotte is a school teacher. She leads the students in that classroom. To the point where you actually are a leader of your own life. Do you lead yourself well? When it comes to us as a church, we're called to actually raise up a mentality of influences. I want to encourage you this morning that there is a grace upon this house to equip our church to gain a godly confidence to know that we can take people from A to B in God. 
But what happens is the enemy comes along and he tries to undermine our confidence. He tries to undermine your confidence. He tries to stop you thinking you have something to say. But God says, I have placed the tribe or the line of the tribe of Judah, the roar in your heart. You have something to give. You have something to contribute. Can I hear an amen? This morning, I'm going to preach to myself. If you want to join in, feel free. The importance of leadership is really, really important because we have to understand that when we are leaders and we influence others, we can influence them towards kingdom attributes, not just earthly attributes. And this morning, I want to encourage you that the Holy Spirit is here to equip us to be people who help influence the world in a positive way. There's entrepreneurs in this room who are called to raise businesses that influence community. There's future politicians here who are called to influence lawmaking. There's mums and dads here and you've lost your confidence because your teenage kids have robbed you of it because of their hormones. But I want to encourage you, when it comes to your confidence, it actually comes from God, not from anything else. You see, we talk about fear. Fear is something that's very prevalent in society. It seems like you know, we're all faced with an element of fear. But I want to encourage you that God and the peace of God is what is leading us. This morning, the Holy Spirit, I believe, is here to grace us again to say, Celebration Church, rise up in leadership. Be an influencer in life. Be an influencer in your family. Be an influencer in your marriage. There's some husbands here. You need to start to lead your wives again. (laughs) There's some people in here who used to be in leadership in church and God says you need to get your voice back. Leadership's a very important thing. It says in 1 Timothy 2 verse 2, it says to pray for your leaders. Pray for those in authority. Please pray for your pastors. This morning I had a couple say to me at the front door, they said, we pray for you every week. And I said, I welcome any prayer I can get. There is power in prayer. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, and I'm just going to read this to you. It says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account, do this so that their work may be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for your leaders. Make their job a joy, not a burden. When was the last time you thought about, this is talking about spiritual leaders, when was the last time you thought about how can we make our pastor's job a joy and not a burden? Imagine churches in our city, in our nation, where every Christian thought, I'm going to make my pastor's job a joy and not a burden. A proactive stance, a forward-thinking stance. Why? Because pastors and leaders, spiritual leaders, have to give an account for the flock. Therefore, there's a high responsibility, but they lead people somewhere in God. And it's a very holy thing, but it's a very costly thing. You think about it. Every week I get up here, I preach my best sermon I preach from my heart. I preach what the Holy Spirit, I believe, wants. And then I have every week someone in the crowd critiquing me because for some reason we're great at being critics. I'm great at being a critic when it comes to the state of origin. Every year I yell at that TV, 
I yell at the referee, I yell at the players, especially Queenslanders, I'm yelling at them and it's not blessing, it's something else. I am yelling, I'm a critic in that moment, but there's no way, if I could run a full field in the moment without getting puffed out, it's going to be a miracle. <laughs> so who am I to judge them, really? But we actually have that in society. It's this tall poppy syndrome. It's, we've got to keep people humble. We've got to keep people grounded. Trust me, life is good enough for doing that. We don't need to do that in people's lives. We need to lift people up. And we just have to, and just to touch on this, we actually have to realise that leadership isn't a dirty word especially in church circles. It's not, a, it's not oh, leaders, oh. Leadership's a holy thing. You know what? Leadership is a God thing. It's a biblical thing. Having leaders in church life is a powerful thing. There's a reason why we don't have a congregationally run church where everyone has an equal say about everything. What an what a interesting church that would be. Everyone has a two cents about what colour we should paint in the toilet. No, we don't want that, do we? We want to trust our leaders to make some good calls. But in that, I want to encourage you this morning that there is a grace that rests on leadership. There is a spiritual authority that rests on leadership. But what happens in church life is this, and in life in general, actually this is a nationwide thing, it's not just the church. Whenever you've been hurt by authority, it affects how we see leadership. Now I would put it to you today that every single person in this place has been hurt by authority at some point in their life. Whether it was a parent growing up, whether it was a teacher at school, whether it was a, someone who had influence over your life. And what happens though is when we're hurt by someone who lets us down, we think then that every authority is tainted because I'm too vulnerable to let you speak into my life. It's not kingdom and it's not God's will. We have to be people who are bigger and understand that leadership is a godly thing. In church life, we're going to launch this later in the year, but we actually have four steps in church now. Four next steps. I simplified it. So simple now. You ready for the four? And now you, go, and you work out where you fit in on these four steps. So number one is attend. Number two is connect. Number three is serve. And number four is lead. Attend, connect, serve, lead. You can be here for 20 years and still be at attend. Yeah? Or you could be here for a week. We've had people who gave the heart to Jesus last weekend who got here early this morning to serve. That is the church. That's the power of the church. But you've got to understand that when it comes to your heart, when it comes to God, you want to serve when you can. And so that's awesome. It encourages my heart. And so we're going to be encouraging a whole church family. Where do you fit in those four? And it's okay right now to be any one of those four, but how can you get to the next step? Because number four is powerful because you become a multiplier. You start to lead and you start to disciple somebody else. So the power of leadership is this. And this is just the intro, but the power of leadership is this. Leadership done well equals multiplication. A church who raises leaders or influences is a church that multiplies God's kingdom. How powerful is that? If I can raise you to run a connect group, and then you run a connect group, and you raise people to run connect groups in your connect group, we straight away multiply. We don't even add, we multiply. 
and we start to see this thing, this little old word which we love called revival start to happen. Because someone went, I'm not going to be a timid mouse anymore. I'm going to be a lion. I'm going to start to roar again. I'm going to start to let God do what he needs to do. So when it comes to life, is this okay this morning? Okay, I'm preaching to myself, but please jump on the train. Yeah, choo-choo, yes. When it comes to the kingdom of God, we have to understand that to be effective in leadership, again, leadership is everybody who leads somebody. If you're a mum here, you're leading. How do you be effective in this? I'm going to talk about that for the next part of this service. I want you to be the most effective leaders because you know what God's called you to do. So if you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn to, let's turn to Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. Revelation 12, verse 11. When you got it, why don't you tell me you got it? That'd be good. I'm jumping ahead here with the slides, but that's okay. We won't, we won't read it yet. We'll get there soon. Revelation 12, 11. The first thing that we have to do when it comes to effective leadership is understand something. We are only truly effective when we know who we are and what we bring. What is our theme for 2019? It is gaining a godly confidence. It is raw, R-O-A-R, gaining a godly confidence. I actually have a photo, um, Dave, if you could chuck that photo up. Um, This was sent to me this week. Hey, there's Peter Frith. He's part of our church family. He's currently um, working overseas, and he told me before he left, he said, I want to take the roar everywhere I go. So, yeah, so cool is that? So I can't tell you where he is for different reasons, but he's taking that. That's our stickers we gave out at a Vision Sunday, which represents taking the roar of God and Celebration Church to the nations. You can take that down. That's the, but I was just so encouraged by that. Remember, the enemy's plan is always the same. He causes us from the beginning with Adam and Eve to doubt who we are in God and what God said. What what was the strategy in the Garden of Eden? Did God really say? Are you really good enough, Eve? Do you really have something to give, Eve? And he gets into Eve's head and Eve's motivation is actually good in quotation marks. She actually wants to be wiser. She wants to be more godlike. She wants to improve herself. But basically what she does is she causes sin to enter the world. And the enemy's plan is the same today. God speaks to our hearts. We get saved. We have God moments. God gives us promises and dreams. He gives us words. And then the enemy comes in and starts to whisper. Did God really say that? Do you really have something to give? Can you really be involved? Do you really have a right to speak into that situation? And then that starts to define who we are and our effectiveness goes from being a roar to being nothing. We become mute in the kingdom because the enemy has robbed us of our authority. He's robbed us of our identity. or So he wants us to believe. The enemy's desire is always to rob you of your kingdom confidence. I know I'm preaching to everyone right now. 
Because everybody here, whether we admit it or not, has seasons where we doubt who we are in God. There are some people here today, and it might be a lot of people here today, and you have allowed hurt and disappointment and discouragement and bad counsel and all those things to come in and rob you of your godly confidence. The enemy is scared of your roar. He's scared of the authority that God has placed in you. If only Christians knew what they truly carried. If only Christians knew that they have wells of living water flowing from them. They have life in their hand. They have healing in their hand. They have joy and salvation and breakthrough in the palm of their hand through the power of the Holy Spirit. The enemy doesn't want you to think that. He wants you to forget that. He wants you to go from thriving to surviving. He wants you to go from being an overcomer to just, I just want to get through today. And we lower the bar of effectiveness to, if I just turn up, that's enough. When God says, I've called you to be a revival fire breather. That is good preaching this morning. The question I have for you is this. This is slide five. What is the grace that you carry? What is the grace and the voice and the confidence that you carry this morning. Because when you can learn that God has done things in you for a reason, you will start to see fruit break out through your life like you've never seen before. Let's read Revelation chapter 11, uh, sorry, chapter 12, verse 11. It says this, it says, And they overcame him, they overcame the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, And they did not love their lives to the death. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus on the cross, and by what church? The word of their testimony. So we become effective by knowing who we are in God and what we bring. We also become effective by overcoming. I'll grab that if I could, this prop. So right here we have this amazing, this amazing uh, well-made prop right here. I know, I know. High level of workmanship right there. It's a stop sign, obviously. It's a very small stop sign. Or I'm massive, that's just a normal size stop sign. I can't, can't really tell. Understand this morning this, that when you overcome, something shifts in the supernatural. When you walk through the valley of life, all you've got to do is not stop, but keep going, and you start to become an overcomer. When that hurt happens to you, and you feel like it's a wound that is deep, don't stop. Go. I know. When that person hurts you, and you want to stop and give up, Don't stop, just keep going. When that church hurts you and the pastor says something you don't like and you think, I'm going to stop going to church, don't stop, keep going and stop being a baby. I'm not raising raising babies in this church, I'll tell you that much. The only babies you're raising are newborn Christian babies. That's it. Newborn Christian babies, that's it. Newborn Christian babies, born again, brand new. 
Give them milk, raise them up, make them revivalists. I'm passionate about this. I, I, the Shalhaven is called to be a city that's saved. <laughs> when your wife or husband hurts you in your marriage, please don't stop. Keep going. When your teenage kids hurt you because they're going through hormones and puberty, please don't stop. Parents, don't give up. Kids, don't stop listening to your parents either. Just keep going. The thing is, is that we become victims in life when we refuse to forgive others. Victims are people who have stopped. They've stopped growing. They've stopped going forward. In 20 years, they'll be the same person as they are today. But the great thing about Christ is that he gives us this amazing ability through the Holy Spirit called forgiveness. And forgiveness does this. It keeps us going. Yeah? And I can speak with authority on this because I've been hurt many, many times. I've been hurt in church. I've been hurt in society. I've been hurt at school. I've been bullied. I've been bullied in the workplace. I know what it's like across the board to have things happen, unjust things. One day I'll share my in-depth testimony, which goes back to when I was a kid, things happening, things that aren't good. I can choose to stop or I can choose to forgive and keep going. As a church, we can choose to stop and just go, this is nice, this is what we, yeah, I've got a seat, yeah, it's nice, the preaching's good, I like it, the, the worship's fine, the drums aren't too loud today, that's good, you know. Or we can go, it's not about me, it's about Christ. It's about the 20, 36 decisions we had last weekend. Yeah. It's about all those who said for the first time, a lot of them, I want to follow Jesus. That is the church. I can't run Connect because I'm too busy. Stop stopping. Get going. Listen, pastors can't do all the work. We can't. We'll burn out. Get involved. I can't serve. Don't stop. Get going. Is that okay this morning? So this is going to encourage you, this part of the message. This is, I'm so excited about this. Are you ready for it? You can put your seatbelts on. So when I was 14, I started getting sick at school. I got sent home and I had the stomach bug. And for three days, I was vomiting a lot. And growing up, I remember it was like every year for 24 hours, you get the 24-hour stomach bug. And parents would know this with their kids. And you just, for me, I'll just be sick throwing up. But then after 24 hours, the pain goes away and it's all good. My mum's here this morning and she will attest to this. The great thing about our house is this, is that if you had the stomach bug, you had unlimited lemonade ice blocks and lemonade soda or, or fizzy drink. It's just like the more sweeps of lemonade, I don't know why. I think, I think science has shown that sugar might not be the best thing in these situations. But back then it was just, and then my brother and sister would try and steal my Lemonade ice blocks, but they're mine because I can't eat anything else right now, so they're mine. Jessica, they're mine. Stop stealing them, Sam, they're mine. And I remember, though, when I got to day three after having a 24-hour stomach bug, and I was two in the morning and I was delirious and I had a really hot fever and the pain had gone from my stomach down to my right side down here. My parents said we need to take him to the hospital. I went to the hospital and very quickly I was on the operating table and the doctor said, 
Not only did you have appendicitis, but your appendix exploded. I had a ruptured appendix. So appendicitis is when they get rid of an inflamed appendix. When it ruptures, it means you've, it means you've taken a little bit too long. The grenade has gone off. And the doctor said to us, a hundred years ago, you would have died because the infection would have spread through your body. How amazing is modern medicine? I'm glad I'm born today, not a hundred years ago. And basically, they, they try and... But the scar, instead of being this... Anyone else had their appendix out here? Oh, club. We're in the club together, Helen. Me and you. We can compare, we can compare war stories afterwards. Because mine had ruptured... Instead of having a really small scar, I had a scar that was probably about that big. Just here, about that big. And they had, because I had to try and get in there and get around and try and work out what was happening and all the rest. And for the next five days, I couldn't eat anything. And I remember on the fifth day, Nat turned up and he had all this McDonald's and I hadn't eaten for five days. I'm glad that day that I didn't allow our friendship to stop. But I kept going. Yeah? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> that was a deep wound, that one. <laughs> so the thing is about scars in life is that in society, we actually find normally, unless you're a guy and you're like, scars are cool, most people try and cover their scars. Because scars represent something that's shameful from our past. In the kingdom... When you go through a wound, when you go through something traumatic, and everyone has this, but you allow God to heal you, you allow yourself to forgive others, you allow yourself to heal, that becomes a scar spiritually. But the great thing about that is it becomes actually a thing of honour, not shame. Physically, scars might be ugly, but spiritually, scars are things of beauty. This is such a powerful thought. If you're here today and you've gone through traumatic, huge things and either you've been healed, been healed, or you are healing, understand that there is beauty in the process. What's happening is God is causing you to be an overcomer. The thing is about scars as well as this is that when a scar heals, it creates scar tissue and scar tissue is actually tougher and stronger than the original skin. You see, your scars actually make you stronger. Your story this morning, church, actually makes you stronger. That wound, that person who hurt you, that thing that should never have happened, that injustice, when you chose to forgive them even though they didn't deserve it and God healed your heart, that became scar tissue. And now it's something that when people see that scar, you're actually prophesying that my scar from yesterday equals uh, prophesied healing today into someone's life. Because if God can heal me from a ruptured appendix, then when someone else is in the hospital with a ruptured appendix, they can look to me and they can be like, if that can happen in his life, it can happen in my life. When you overcome church, this is such a powerful message. When you allow God to heal you from the most horrendous, dark, crazy things, and you come out with a free spirit, when you come out with a healed scar, and often, even when we're Christians, we hide away from our past. We hide away from what's happened. God says, no, no, speak up for those who can't speak. Because if God can heal you from it, you're prophesying into someone else's life who needs the healing. 
<laughs> How cool is that? There's no shame in your scar today. There is honor in your scar. Because your scar is a, a, an example and a, a, a memorial stone of healing that God could take you from a place of an open, gushing wound, I don't know if I'm going to make it, to a place of wholeness, freedom, joy, liberty. And listen, some of you, I, I, when you overcome, and I just want to speak it over you today, don't diminish and don't put down your scars. Don't shy away from your story. Speak up because when you speak up and share your testimonies, you prophesy healing. You've shown that you haven't stopped at your wounds, but you kept going. You didn't stop when, when you were down and out and you were bleeding and you were wounded and you were hurt and you were forgotten and you felt like you weren't going to make it and the Holy Spirit put you back together and now you've kept going. Your scars are a battle scar of His goodness and His mercy. And now this isn't just pre-Christian. This is current Christian. If you've been in church or been a Christian long enough, you know that when you become a Christian, you still get hurt. If you have the courage to be a leader in church, and every leader is courageous as far as I'm concerned, because people take easy shots at those in leadership. And what happens is we actually become targets for people's unhappiness. You know that the enemy can only ever throw the rocks that are in his garden. People can only ever accuse according to what is in their garden. Have you ever noticed in life that God will give you a message and give you a word? Actually, I'm not going to go, I'm gonna, we'll get to that in a second because I'm going to stuff up our slides. And these guys work hard on my slides. Daniel 3.25. I love this story. It talks about how these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what, what names, what weird names they are. Benai is a weird name too, so I can say that. They're there, and the king says, King Nebuchadnezzar says, if you don't bow down and worship my image, then guess what? You're going to be chucked into a giant bonfire. This bonfire was so hot that the guards guarding it died because it was so hot. Literally, they died. It was so, it was a furnace. These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, said, I will not bow down to an idol. I serve the living God. It says that King Nebuchadnezzar chucks them into this fire. And then it says this in Daniel chapter 3, verse 25. It says, he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Three men are chucked in. They look and there's four standing in the fire. Who was the fourth church? It represents Jesus. When you go through your fire, when you go through your fire and choose not to stop, but you allow God to do his work, miracles start to break out. The thing is about these three men, it goes on to say, it goes on to say that after this, in Daniel 3 verse 20, it says, that the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon and they were given leadership influence because of what had happened in the fire. Do you know that your fire causes you to be effective because it gives you credibility to be someone who leads? 
That is powerful. Can I speak to the under 30s for a second? Just because you have likes on Instagram doesn't make you a leader. It does to a small degree because it is still influence, but it doesn't give you spiritual, breakthrough, powerful leadership. That comes by overcoming. It comes through resilience. Some of the older people here will tell you this because they're still here after going through fire. And when they speak, you hear authority. So make sure that you have a heart of resilience that keeps on going. There's too many quitters when we have to be people who keep being resilient. The thing is about this fire I want to encourage you is this, is that, and this is slide eight, you are never alone in the fire. When you're going through the valley, you are never alone. When you're going through that dark season, I want to tell you, the Bible says, Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And it's often in the fire that, we, that he reveals himself the most. I love how it says that they were bound and chucked in, but then they looked in and they were unbound. There's something about when you're in that place, that hard situation, and you rely on the goodness of God, even though you can't see the goodness, you rely on it and say, I believe it, and things start to break off your life because in that moment of fire, all you have is Jesus. And when you have Jesus, he causes freedom. Can I hear an amen? I know that in my life, I've been through seasons where I've had nothing but him. Possession-wise, had nothing, like relationship, I was single, I was lonely, I was hurting, I was broken. I'd just been, I was in the biggest hole of my life. And I remember God would turn up every day and just walk with me. The kindness of God is powerful in the fire. The thing is, is that your theory becomes testimony when it's tested. Have you noticed that we live in a society where everyone has an opinion? Again, social media has enabled this. Everybody has an opinion on everything. Everyone has a comment on something. So much noise, so much whatever. But we have to understand something. That we can have our theories, but they actually become our testimony when they are tested. Now, have you ever noticed in life that God speaks to you and then the opposite happens? <laughs> God gives you a promise and then the opposite starts to happen. Can I, anyone, yeah, you know what I'm talking about? It's like God says, I'm going to give you uh, financial provision and six bills show up out of nowhere. Yeah. Or you crash your car and you have no car and you're thinking, oh my goodness. Yeah. God says, I'm going to make you better and you get sicker. God says, I'm going to see your loved ones saved and they seem to get more unsaved. The thing is, is that what God does is this, is he says, I need to actually test your faith in order to prove it from theory to testimony. So James chapter 1, if you've got your Bibles, James chapter 1, verse 2, says this. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. What's perseverance? Don't give up. Don't stop. Keep going. Let perseverance finish its works so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If you lack wisdom, ask God. He gives generously without finding fault. The thing is, is that we have to understand that the testing of our faith produces maturity. 
if you've been a Christian for long enough and you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you'll know this. Some people get up on the pulpit and it's just noise. Some people get up and there is an authority in what they say. It is a difference between someone who has a bunch of theories versus someone who has overcome. We overcome by the blood of them and the word of our testimony. When you speak to someone who has been healed of a disease, who knows, it doesn't matter what theory you have, that their testimony will always trump you. Because you can't argue them down. If God has done it, then I don't care what you think, He has done it. That is the power of testimony. But we have to understand that when God speaks, often the opposite will start to break out And it's not forever, it's just to test if that word is real or not. How many Christians have I had in my life who have said, I'm going to do this and God has spoke to me and said this, and then you don't see them again because they've been taken out, because they had some opposition, and when their faith was actually tested, it was proven as false. It was fool's gold instead of real gold. This morning I want to encourage you that when things happen and God gives you a word, like put it this way, to the point of this. Have you ever noticed when you're in a meeting and someone prophesies over you and you have that God moment? Yeah, awesome. And then you have the worst week of your life the following week. It's just your word has been tested. The biblical example I want to use is Joseph. Joseph is a powerful story. I love this story. And it talks about with Joseph, and you have to look it up, but it talks about how he was given dreams as a child about his brothers bowing down to him. Who's familiar with the story of Joseph? So this, this young guy is given these dreams. He's got all these brothers. You're going to bow down to me one day. <laughs> they didn't like that. They tried to kill him. They literally tried to kill him, put him into a hole somewhere, literally a hole, a sewage hole. You can go, you can die there. One brother had mercy, sold him into slavery. Yeah, still pretty bad. He's now in Egypt. He's a slave but he's still got that dream in his heart. What happens? He starts getting promoted. He's getting promoted up and up and up. Potiphar's wife tempts him. He runs away from temptation. She falsely accuses him. He gets put in jail. He's forgotten again. He thinks he's getting his dream fulfilled. He thinks that the call of God is coming about. And then he's forgotten again, falsely. He's hurt. He's wounded. He's got an option. Does he stop and give up on the Word of God? Or does he keep going? It says in Psalm 105 verse 20 about Joseph, it said, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him daily. Every day he was in that jail cell and the promises of God would come back and whisper in his ear, you're called to be a ruler. You're called to be a leader. You're called to be effective. But God, I'm forgotten about in a dungeon. You're called to be a leader. You're called to be effective. You're called to be an overcomer. But, I'm fi- but I was doing it, God, and I was, I was nearly a ruler and I was getting favoured and I was seeing breakthrough and the miracle was happening. And then this girl came and falsely accused me, God, for doing the right thing and I've forgotten about. You're called to be a leader. You're called to be an influencer. You're called to be effective. And then it says one day, and it says he's forgotten for years and years and years. I think it was 17 years or 13 years. Imagine that, being forgotten in a jail cell falsely accused. We get upset when we don't see a move of God in the past three weeks after God speaks. 13 years in jail. Is it 17 or 13 theologians? 
No one knows. Doesn't matter. A long time. What happens one day? The word of God comes and he gets promoted. And he becomes, he, he interprets a dream for Pharaoh. And he sees this breakthrough moment happen. And in a day, he goes from forgotten about from years to being a man of influence, a man of breakthrough, a man of the call of God. And then it says the same brothers came and see, they came to see him. And they ask, <laughs> there's a big drought happening. And they come and they don't recognize him. That's how much jail messed him up. They don't recognize him. And they said, we need some grain. And instead of Joseph destroying them, which naturally he could have done, emotionally he could have done because he destroyed them. Uh, they destroyed him, they tried to. It says that he embraces them with tears down his face and forgives them. In the process of the valley, because he didn't stop, because he didn't give up on the word of God, he became so Christ-like that when he faced his brothers after all those years, he became someone who embraced with the heart and the love and the greatness of Christ. And he forgave his brothers and there was reconciliation. You see, the Word of God will come to you daily and test you. But understand that the testing of your faith creates testimony. And the testimony that you speak becomes what overcomes the enemy. Be someone of powerful testimony. The thing is about testimony is it becomes part of your DNA. It goes from just a thought out here. And let's be a really simple example. Um, you know, God, you know, we read the Bible, God will provide all my needs in Christ Jesus. And someone gets up here and does an offering message and says, the Bible says that God will provide all my needs in Christ Jesus, but they have never, ever seen it happen in their life. Difference, very big difference to someone gets up here and says, you know what, like in my life, I went to Bible college and went backwards by 50 bucks a week for two years on the books just paying my rent, my petrol, my fees, didn't include food. And I had to trust God for two years to provide my needs. And guess what? God did it. That's a real testimony. Now, when we're in need, Charlotte and I, we don't go, oh, no, we need provision. We're like, God's done it once, he'll do it again. The power of testimony, prophesize. Prophesize the breakthrough power of God into people's lives. And as leaders, as people of influences, when we speak out of our overcoming story, and you all have one, by the way, you prophesy what God can do in someone else's life. We're coming to the end, but understand, and T.D. Jakes, the great preacher, says it like this. Why don't you put your hand up and try, and try and clap with one hand, see how you go. Yeah, you can kind of hear it. Not very effective. Now, why don't you try a cut with two hands? Yeah, okay. Okay, you can stop now. You can stop now. What happens when we try and clap with one hand is that when we partner our theory with no testimony, it's like this. We're speaking like this. There's still some effect. There's still truth in it. But you know what? When you actually take the Word of God and you apply it to the testimony of God in your life, it becomes like a clap. That's not really a clap. <laughs> and we have a generation of people often who will speak lots of theory, especially church critics. Lots of theory. And you think, when was the last time you discipled somebody? When was the last time you served in church? When was the last time you forgave somebody? Oh, yeah, but thus saith the Lord. No, I don't care about that. When was the last time you were a Christian? Yeah? You've got to line that up with this. A person of overcoming testimony is the most powerful thing. When you take the Word of God and you come to the stories of God in your life and you speak out of that place, 
there is an effect in the spiritual realm. There is a clap that goes off and it echoes through the spiritual realm. There's not just a bunch of theory and thought. It's a bunch of overcoming power of God. The enemy has to, has to run screaming because somebody has an overcoming powerful testimony where they didn't give up, they didn't stop, they didn't say, I'm going to just park myself here. You don't understand my situation. No, no, they said, God, in you all things are possible. In you I can forgive. In you there's breakthrough. In you there's power. In you and your ability, God, you can do all things. And we start to prophesy healing from our scars. At Celebration Church, we're so blessed with so many different people with powerful stories and powerful testimonies of great healings and emotional healing, physical healing, family healing. We've got to speak up. We've got to share it. That's why Connect Group is so important, sharing testimonies of God. Overcoming gives you authority. Don't be a victim who refuses to, be, to forgive. The thing is, is that we can't lead people where we haven't been ourselves. Even Moses, when he led the people to the promised land, which he hadn't been himself, he still had to get out ahead of the people. And a bit of sand between him and the people was him leading them where they haven't been yet. <laughs> I don't necessarily know where we're going, but I know that if you just follow me, let me show you, let's go a little bit further forward towards what God has. You don't need to have the full story or the full picture of where you're going. You don't need to have all the answers. You don't need to be healed 100%. You just need to understand that if you can just take a step forward, a step forward, a step forward, if you can take this and say, I'm going to keep walking forward, keep walking forward, I'm not going to stop, I'm going to keep walking forward. Hey, come with me, come to church with me on Sunday, come to Connect Group with me, come on, we can do it, we can do it. You start to multiply and lead a generation. We are not a church that exists for us alone. We are a church that exists for our city and for our nation and for every broken, suicidal, lonely person right now who is just waiting for someone to say, hey, come along to celebration. The feast is ready. I'm getting that up. The feast is ready. You know, I thought it was so powerful. Pastor Taylor last week said he didn't even hear the gospel till he was 21 years old and he grew up in Australia. We assume that people know things. We assume that people already know it all and have made the decision. Most haven't. Most don't know. We need to speak about what God has. Keep walking and don't stop. Understand that when we know who we are and what we bring, that we become effective in our influence. I love that. When we keep walking through the valley and we don't stop, the great thing about the night is that it doesn't last forever. There may be tears in the night, but joy comes in the morning. It doesn't matter where you're at right now in terms of how bad the situation might be. If you have the Holy Spirit, just keep walking forward. It's going to be okay. God's got it. But understand that this season of hardship and the season of wounds, even wounds that have been self-inflicted, don't disqualify you from prophesying the healing power of God into someone else's life. Please, 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 let's stop putting our stories down and in the cupboard. 
Let's speak up. Let's lift our voices. Let's share what God has done and is doing. And I want to, again, just speak this into our spirit and the soul of our church. It is time for us to gain our godly confidence. There are people here who have been Christians for a long time and you've lost it. You've lost your confidence. You've allowed the wounds of yesterday and the disappointments and the discouragements of yesterday. Hear the prophetic voice this morning. He says, shake it off. Unbury it. Dust it off and fan into flame the gifts of God. If only Christians knew the power of the Holy Spirit, which is so powerful, it created the whole universe. Boom. It's in me. A church that knew that. A church that knew that we can bring people to the banquet. Who still remembers the banquet service? There's so much food, but there's too much food for me. I see empty chairs. Come to the banquet. Come and enjoy the goodness of God. Come and enjoy the joy of God. Come and enjoy forgiveness. Come and enjoy freedom. Come and enjoy family. Come and enjoy the Holy Spirit river. What if revival was in simply bringing someone to church? That's a big thought. I think it is. I think the banquet is already set. I think the food is already prepared. I think it smells delicious. I think it's the best banquet you have ever, ever seen. I just think we've got to just go, it's too good for just me. It's too good for just me. Come on, come along, come along. I had someone say to me last Sunday after church, and I was like, yes, God's doing it. They said, they said God's doing something in my heart. They said, I finally realized, I'm realizing something. I've just got to bring them. I've just got to bring them. Come and enjoy the banquet. Come and enjoy the feast. Come and enjoy the goodness of God. Because I understand this, that if we truly understood the goodness of our Father, this church would be packed every Sunday. Every church would be packed every Sunday. Because his goodness is so good. And so we're going to keep just speaking that. And we're already seeing it. Like, who's loving church life at the moment? Like, there's such, such a sense of God doing incredible things. But it's just the start. Like, it's just, it's just this is just, it's just a little bit of an entree. Here you go. Here's a little appetizer for you. <laughs> the question is, Who's going to be the, the waiters and the waitresses? We had Maria and we had Mark up here who every guest that came in, they served them. They popped a bottle of bubbly, non-alcoholic bubbly, popped a bottle of bubbly, poured it for them. We cheesed, we brought, we celebrated, and we served. Charlie, come up here. Why don't we all stand to our feet? Who was blessed by this morning? You gain authority and leadership by knowing who you are and by knowing that your healing and your story gives you credibility to lead others. 
Never underestimate the scars. Let's be a scar-filled church. How weird is that? A scar-filled church. Testimonies of healings. Scar tissue where there's no more pain, but there is now wholeness. The church is called to be a hospital of healing. That's what it's called to be. Why don't we close our eyes for a moment? I'm just going to actually just give us an opportunity to respond in our hearts. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love and your power. And Holy Spirit, this morning, I just want to just give a moment that if anybody here doesn't know you as your Lord, the Lord and Saviour, Lord, if they don't know you as their best friend, as their closest, most dear, Lord, I, I just pray this morning, if people don't know you, that they would come to a place of giving their hearts to you fully. Yeah. And I just sense that this morning there's, there's people here and you've given God a bit of your heart, but you're not fully everything. I give Him everything. And God wants all of you this morning. There's others here and you've never really given your heart to Christ at all. And this morning, God says, I want you to come before me and I want to forgive you of your sin. And I want to have relationship with you. The greatest relationship you'll ever have is with your heavenly Father, the Bible talks about. So this morning, as everyone's eyes are closed, if you say, Beniah, either I want to give my heart to Christ for the first time, or I know I need to give my heart fully to Him this morning afresh. Why don't you just put your hand up where you are in this place? Awesome, I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else you want to say, that's me. I want to give my, my life right with Christ this morning. I want to make sure, I want to give Him my everything this morning. In Jesus' name. Awesome, I see those hands. Anybody else? Anybody else? There's wounds this morning that God is healing in Jesus' name. And don't hold back, don't be embarrassed. And this is a powerful moment. Anybody else? Why don't we pray this prayer together? And if you put your hand up, we're going to join with you in praying this prayer of commitment to God this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. And this morning I ask that you will forgive me of all my sin, of all my wrongdoing. I ask that your mercy and your grace would fill my heart. I declare Lord Jesus, that you are my Lord and you are my Saviour. And I ask today that you, Holy Spirit, would fill my heart and help me to walk with Jesus. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just give God a hand of praise. Thank you, God. The Bible says that when one reconciles with God, there is a party in heaven. And we have, we've had more than one. We had a few today. And if you did put your hand up, I encourage you. There's a Bible station at the back desk. Make sure you get your free Bible. Also, make sure you're in community. And if I could give you a really big tip, make sure you're back every Sunday just to be in church. Like, don't be the one that puts a hand up and never comes back. Come back. Don't stop. Keep going. 
because church helps grow you and encourage you. In Jesus' name. Who feels encouraged? Hey, why don't you put your hand on the person next to you or, or hold your husband or wife's hand if you like. Or not, if you don't feel comfortable, that's okay. We're going to pray blessing over you this morning. We're going to pray God over you this morning. In Jesus' name. Awesome. Father God, we thank You for everything that You're doing in this church, God. And this morning, Father, we send out our incredible church family with Your protection, with Your grace, with Your presence, God, that You would reveal to them more and more how You are leading them and how You are shaping them, God, that we'll remember that when we overcome in You, Jesus, that's when we can be effective leaders. So where everyone's at today, God, wherever they're at, God, we thank You that You're with us. We thank You that You're walking with us through life, through our journeys, through what we're overcoming, God. And we just declare that this week, your provision, your protection, we ask God for supernatural encounters, God, for salvations, Jesus. And we thank you, God, that we get to be a part of an army, God, that we're not alone, but you're part of an army of God this morning, church. So we send you out in that, with Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 If you want prayer support, come down the front after service. If not, God bless you. Have a great Sunday. And be blessed in Jesus' name. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.